I'm going to start in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'll start at verse 9. It's actually a long read, but it has quite a lot to tell us. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely that so you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your children's children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so they may learn how to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire from the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words but saw no form. There was only his voice. He declared to you his covenant of the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and he wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and the laws you were to follow in the land as you're crossing the land of Jordan in this process. You saw no form of any kind that day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb or out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image, or any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or any animal on earth, a bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the water below. And when you look up in the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the heavens array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping them the things that the Lord your God is a portion to all under the heavens. But for you and the Lord took together, brought out of Egypt, iron smelting furnace out of Egypt, and all the people of his inheritance you are now are. God raised him up. He raised up a man called Moses to lead his people to freedom and to make them a distinct nation giving them his commands and laws to guide them. Many of these laws and commands had to deal with the function of family and people. They were also a way to help them to remember where they had come from and how God had guided them both day and night. And today I'm going to highlight a few of them for you. Now, if you're anything like me, it's easy to forget things, especially if they're not written down. Researcher Karen Bola listed the top three things that people, people today, are, they forget the most often in the world that you and I live in. Now, I'm gonna, the first one, we're gonna ask for the first picture. And believe it or not, the third most forgotten thing in the world today is phone numbers. Since cell phones, we have forgotten how to remember phone numbers. How many of you used to know your home phone number? How many of you used to know all your relatives' phone numbers by heart? You didn't have to look them up. What's your mom's number? Bob, Bob, Bob. Okay, right now, what is your spouse's telephone number without hitting your phone? Can you dial it if you had to dial it from a landline? Half of you are going this way and half of you are going this way. Okay? Okay. How many of you just fibbed that you knew your phone number and you're shaking your head? The ro- Okay, there's a few of you. Now, I'm going to give you the next picture. The next most forgotten thing 
is where something is. We keyed into a phone. We keyed into this. Did you know there's mile markers on the side of the freeway that tells you you're going down the road? And you used to say, go to mile marker 147. You're going to hang a left the next exit. We don't, they don't even know what mile markers are, the young kids nowadays. I had one kid say, that's so the radar can control you. No, that's how you know where you're at. <laughs> we, we, you tell somebody you need to go somewhere. We used to be able to say, you go down, this street, take a left. No, everyone depends on their phones now or their, their, the map. They don't know. Okay. And the most forgotten thing, the next picture is going to shock you here. We forget names. We've, with the advent of social media and Facebook and all this, we all depend upon it. We got all these friends and people we think we know, right? We don't know their name if their picture ain't in there. It isn't a Facebook post. Okay. You're thinking. Now some of you are saying, no, that's not true. Oh yeah, it is. Think of, think of your closest friends. You know their names. The person you met two weeks ago, you remember names? Did you know that Carnegie used to have a class for that to teach how to remember names? There used to be classes that you took in high school so you remember business names. There used to be actually classes that taught you how to remember things. Now, we live in a clueless world. We do. So, let me talk to you about this fine map. We can forget things, sometimes as special. We can forget a very special occasion. Yet, now, don't, don't admit it this if you've ever done this. But Dave and Huss, Dave and Huss actually wrote this down. I'm not saying he's smart, he, but he admitted to it. He was on a business trip to California, and I realized when I got on the plane that I forgot my wife's birthday the day before, he got out of the house and she hadn't said a word, right? So, expecting to be in big trouble, he went to a jewelry store. After explaining the situation to the woman, the sales clerk, right? She said, I am sorry, sir, but we don't sell anything expensive as you need to get out of trouble. <laughs> That's what she told him. Now, I'm sure you've never forgotten a birthday, right? You've never forgotten anything important, right? Some of you are looking like down it. Now, it's important to do things to help us remember. Memorial Day memorizes all those who gave their life serving this great country. Webster defines a memorial as something designed to keep a remembrance alive. Having memorials is important so that we are reminded of important events and people. If Memorial Day was not established, some people wouldn't even remember and honor the men and women who have served this great nation and gave their lives in establishing it and protecting our freedoms. There was a movie in 1991 titled Never Forget. It was about the Holocaust, a Holocaust survivor. And if you went through the Holocaust, it was something you'd never, never forget, and you'd want to keep that memory alive so people would never forget what the Jews and other people had to deal with. 
Did you know that there are people today that actually believe and teach that the Holocaust never happened? That six million Jews were never killed in Europe? That two million impaired or challenged people were never slaughtered? They actually believe it's a hoax. We've got pictures, we got proof. They said they're all made up. They, they, they can go to the graves. But they believe it's not, never happened. Or no, now when the anniversary of 9-11 comes around, you see pictures depicting the phrase, we will, we will never forget. And most people remember where they were that are alive today. Most people remember where they were when they heard a plane that hit. But over the years, unless you're someone who dealt with it in your personal life, the horror fades. So remembrance are done so we don't forget. It's good to establish memorials and hold services to remember important occasions or people. But how about when it comes to God? If we're not careful, we could allow our focus on God and what he's done for us to lose its impact where we think less and less of them. We can let the world crowd them out. And we got to be careful not to forget God. Now, if you study the first few books of the Bible, you'll find the beginning of the story of God dealing with man. Um, he be, the beginning with Adam and Eve, then they moved to Noah, and the God promises Abraham to Isaac, and then Isaac to Jacob and his 12 sons, who, who, and one of them who was Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. And though he trusts God, and he, he through all this time, he becomes second only to Pharaoh in power of Egypt. Ultimately bringing his father and his family to Egypt, where God continued to bless them there. But during the next 400 years, the Egyptian dynasty changes, and a few new Egyptian dynasties come and go, and they started to fear the descendants of Jacob. And began to oppress them. Finally put them all in slavery. Finally God raised up Moses. To lead his people to freedom. And to make a distinct nation of them. Giving them his commands. And laws to guide them. Many of these laws and commands deal with the function of family. And we're going to look at a few. First, pass on. To the next generation. What God has done for you. That's a good first. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says, This is what Moses told him. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. As human beings, our memories are limited. We tend to forget. Therefore, God reminds us not to forget the wonderful things that he's accomplished in our lives. And what are we to do with them? Pass them on to our children and grandchildren. I remember times in my own life when it seemed that God stepped in to give guidance and provision and protection in my life 
And I think in your lives too, you've had that happen. I think these stories can encourage and help and strengthen the faith of those around us. And we're also to lead them to love God above all else. If we read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, these words come from Moses. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And with these words, I command you today that you shall be in heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Imagine having those words in your heart from Moses. We ourselves are to love God so much that our children will realize this by themselves. That when their time comes, we're to ooze God. We're to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And those who love Him, we we should be drawn to follow in the footsteps. Our children should be drawn to follow in our footsteps. The very same way. You are to have no idols. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15, Moses warned against any form of idolatry. And he gave the reason for this in writing in Deuteronomy, it's chapter 420. He said, remember the Lord rescued you from Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his very own special possession, which you are today. So God's purpose was clear. He told the Israelites that he was their God and they were not to worship any other so-called gods. And I believe that's what God wants today. We are his people and he'll not tolerate any other gods or idols in our lives. He desires to have top priority in our lives. We must not forget God when all is well. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 12. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you in the land for which he has swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Houses full of good things which you did not fill. Hewed out of wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And when you've eaten and are full, beware lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. This was a caution that Moses gave to Israel. They were moving into the land of Canaan, a land of abundance that God was giving them, and he knew what could happen. The Bible clearly tells us every good and perfect gift comes from God. If we do not acknowledge this, we will be an ungrateful people having overlooked the giver because we are obsessed with the gifts. God's... How am I going to word this politely? 
The commands of God to families can be summed up this way. First, remember the goodness of God and pass it on to our children. Secondly, love, our love for God must surpass everything else. Thirdly, there should be no other gods or idols on the throne of our heart. And fourthly, when enjoying the blessings, we must never forgive or forget from whom we receive them. Why should we be teaching about God? Why should you be teaching about God to the next generation? That's why we do all this, to teach. Moses spoke to the Israelites about that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. If you want to look it up later, he said, Remember today, it was not your children who saw and felt the connection of the Lord God. They did not see his majesty, his power, his strength for his signs and things he did in Egypt to the king and his whole country. Moses told them it was their duty to share with their children and the next generation the wonders of God that they had seen and experienced firsthand. Now Moses went on to say in Deuteronomy, now this is chapter 11, verse 18 and 21, Therefore, do not lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall teach them to your children, speaking them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lay down and when you rise up, that your days of your children may be multiplied. This is our responsibility also. You sitting right here, this is your responsibility to share from the Bible the experience that God has taken us through so that the next generation will understand and believe and worship a living God. Now we must not fall into the trap and we must not fail to share our faith with the next generation. The people of Israel moved into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And as long as Joshua lived, the people who outlived him served the Lord and were faithful. That foundation was laid. They stayed. They were faithful to him. They were the generation who'd seen the mighty works of God firsthand. And they experienced God's deliverance and his provision and his providence and his healing. And they'd also saw Gossam's awesome power at Mount Sinai. But after that generation and their children's generation had passed away, things changed drastically for the children of Israel. In the book of Judges, chapter 2, it says... After the whole generation, that was the next generation, has gathered to their ancestors, that minute they died, another generation grew up and knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. Their parents hadn't done what God had told them to do. So the younger generation didn't know much about the Lord. What happened is they forgot God. 
Not knowing God's commandment, the people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They were so absorbed with their good lifestyle that they forgot God. You ever notice my sermons go with the old and also go to the new? You know this is perfect for today? Any of you thinking I'm going to just preach an Old Testament? Can I say this again? They were so absorbed with their good lifestyle, they forgot God. They even began to worship some of the idols the nations around them worshipped. So God handed them over to their enemies. And when in their distress, they would cry out to God. A leader, with God's help, would rescue them from their enemies. And peace would be restored and they would follow God for a little while. And then they would once again resume their idolatry and their evil practices. And they went through a cycle time after time after time. I can take you in the Bible. It happened over and over. I wonder if we haven't fallen into the same cycle. We become far too comfortable with what God has given us. We receive so much from God, our Lord, and become so preoccupied with them that we've forgotten to give God thanks. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of secret. Sidebar to help the guy in the back so he keeps track. See, if I'd had E. coli in the blood just years ago, or if I'd been in a different country, I probably wouldn't be here. They have antibiotics. I had, a, I had an E. coli in my blood that the antibiotic was immune to, or the E. coli was immune to the antibiotics. They had to switch the antibiotics. If you're in a third world country, you don't have a choice. If you're in a, if you'd been in, you'd been in the wagon trains, I, that's why they died earlier. You know, they had these blood tests. They come back, they tricked me to coming back. I don't think I'm going to forget that. They must have known me. That don't make sense why they would trick me. You think they would have just called and said, you're coming into the hospital. No, no, no. They wanted me to get me there. Now, getting back to my sermon here, I don't want to get too far down the thing. We have in America idolatry of ego. Idolatry of greed. A constant desire to have more and more and more. You may be, may not be bowing down to stone and wood idols, but there are other things we made idols. They start to consume major parts of our waking hours. And sadly, instead of taking time to teach the next generation about God, we've given them lots of things, but we let them starving for attention and love. We give them things instead of love. We give them things instead of our time. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. God's word is clear. He will not accept, accept idolatry in any form. So we really need to give God our individual lives and the lives of our family. 
we need to give him the rightful place that's due him in both family and personal. Now let me repeat a few points. The responsibility to teach the children the ways of the Lord is is ours as parents and grandparents. If God has given us children, then we teach children. We must share with them the experiences that God has taken us through, good and bad. The good thing that God has done in our lives, the, the, the answers to prayer when we were at the lowest of low, the sins and temptations that he's helped us overcome so that we can encourage them to follow God and not live the path we lived. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says, a beautiful equation that should be part of our lives. It goes like this. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Now, now, you can, if you go back and look at Timoth, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and read it and then put it in modern language, that's what you're going to get. Godliness plus contentment, contentment equals great gain. Our relationship with God must be so genuine and dynamic that the next generations will see that we really love God and are walking in His ways. Someone wrote once, more is caught than taught. We have left our children's education to the professionals, which has its benefits, But in recent years, we've discovered that has a dangerous side too. We've even tried to outsource some of the responsibility of sharing God and His Word to the church and only discovered that some so-called churches can be dangerous too. If you look at the situation in the world today, many churches are seeing fewer and fewer people there to truly worship. The younger generation has lost the understanding of true worship. They're more into entertainment. Other church buildings have been sold or closed or refurbished, right? A recent study is real. Many of them have been converted to tourist destinations like in Europe, right? Or they've been turned into shops in downtown, cultural centers, museums, department stores, and or they've even been converted into apartments, And believe it or not, some were converted into government office buildings. I find that amazing. They got a cross on the wall doing the government work there. If this breaks your heart, and you're wondering why this is so, the answer is plain. One generation or more of parents failed to love God in the way that they should and would not pass their faith on to the next generation. The consequences of this failure is that the next generation grew up with no desire for God in their lives. I personally believe for far too long, God has been trying to get our attention here in the United States. And we ignore his voice. But now it's time to get back to God as individuals first, families, and then as a people. So let's rebuild. Giving priority to worshiping God, reading the Bible, praying together, and not be content to make this a once a week ritual. Jesus should be the head. 
And we must live a life of faith and obedience every day. The next generation must know that God is important to us every day. And they must witness this in our homes and in the workplace and in the government. Let's share with them testimonies of God's grace, His provision, His protection, His miracles. He's performed miracles here. We've seen it. We know it. Some of you are sitting in the pews because of a miracle. You shouldn't have made it. Some of you are miracles because you overcome it. It's a tough world. When Joshua entered the promised land, he laid an ultimatum before the people. And it's found in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. If you don't know it by heart, the second I start it, you'll hear it and you'll know it. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him with sincerity and truth, and put away the gods of your your father served on the other side of the river Egypt, and serve the Lord your God. If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua chapter 24, verse 16, this is what the people answered. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord is our God. For it is he who brought our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in the way and went among us as people and passed through us? For we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now you might say, today, we will never ignore the Lord and run after the things of this world. Because you died for us. See, I'm kind of modern paraphrasing this. Bear with me. Our modern way of saying this might really honestly be, We will never ignore the Lord. He died for us. He saved us. He delivered us from our sins. We and our families will serve only Him. We didn't cross the river. He saved us from the pit of hell. I believe that's God's desire for people today. Our greatest concern should be for our children that they love God more than anything else in this world. For our families... God's blessing for our families is the most important thing we can have. His precious gift, He's given us these children, His precious gifts, He's entrusted them to us. We have to stand strong in a world that wants us to bow down. Now, we did crazy things this last week. No, we did. But we share Jesus. Okay, they heard about Jesus every day. We do crazy things all the time. We share Jesus.
We have actually, but we have another thing we have to remember. When I was in the hospital, one of the nurses, she liked cats. Kathy likes cats. They got talking about cats. They were showing cat pictures back and forth, right? Their church doesn't have a minister. They're running interns. Don't laugh. She want to know if I want to go to this town. I told her, no, I got my own church, but I'll, I'll meet with their board to help them find somebody. They, they, they run the interns. They can't get anybody. Because, well, it's a long story. I, I'm not bothering with it. I'm sitting in the hospital. She's like, you want to come to our town? No, I'm going to my town. I got my own. What, you, what I'm making a point to you is, a solid church family like we have where we can do crazy things where we all support each other when things go wrong we don't have to worry about it but it just keeps going you know Brian and Carl came running in on Thursday and John and Susan all these guys come running in they didn't know what they're going to do they just put it together the last bird we still start Jesus every kid on Thursday got a Bible from the Gideons they all got God's word that's what matters we do crazy things Why do we do it? To share the gospel. I, uh, one of my, our internet people counted the number of times I quote scripture verses in my sermons. I've never added them up. They add them up. You, I, I guess you can rewind you know, the sermon. They, do you know how many sermons you quoted this week? No. Or, pardon me, do you know how many scriptures you quoted this week? No. I didn't count them. People... Major on the minors. We just share the gospel. But if we share it, we support it with other scriptures so it isn't just a person's opinion. Now, we got to end so the kids can come up and eat all the goodies. There's lots of goodies out in those tables. They got to disappear. If the tables run empty, I'll find more goodies. There's more goodies, right? But everything's done, so the next generation... I can tell you the horror stories, what people have come from, where God has saved them from the pit of hell. But right now, we got to go celebrate with some kids that they got to learn about Jesus. So, smiles when you go out there. Get At least they don't have water cannon today. Somebody broke the water cannon. We had to switch to buckets and sponges and... You broke my water cannon. I was pride and joy of Cornerstone. Brian made it. We're going to have to make a bigger one. Cinnamon's just like, no, we need bigger. We got to hit 100 feet of water. No, why do we do this? We do it because the kids love it. The kids love it. And yeah, I'm a kid at heart. But I didn't get wet. I might be smart. Let's close. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the news of your holy word. We thank you for the message it has. Now, Father, we humbly ask that you bless every child that attended our vacation Bible school. Guide us and direct us that we might be the light to the world. That's our humble prayer. All God's people said, Amen.